You're listening to Trek FM. Breaker to Captain Picard. Go ahead, number one. May I see you in the observation lounge, sir? I'll be right there. This seems to be some kind of meeting place. Some kind of meeting. Some 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 kind of meeting place. Could you flunky? Might be got I don't think they're going to let us in, Artu. We'd better go. Maybe we better talk out here at the observation lounge to turn into a swamp. Artu, wait! Oh dear. This is the Observation Lounge for the week of February 9th, 2013. Charmies on the scene. I'm Greg Harbin. With me, as always, is my lovely news editor here on the show, Catherine Bryan. Welcome, Catherine. Hi, Greg. Nice to be here, as always. Yes, and back with us for his two-month anniversary is the international sex symbol himself, Tristan Rydell. Welcome, Tristan. Oh, well, thank you. It's good to be back. And coming to us all the way from Bristol, UK, is Martin Lejeune. Welcome. Hello. It's good to have a, a British voice on the show. I like to break things up a little bit. And uh, uh, Martin, you you have some some extra views, hopefully, that you can bring to the show, um, having been familiar with, well, what I should say is we're doing the show about House of Cards this week. You know, Typically, we do geeky news, uh, just a rundown on the on the t- geeky news, but sometimes we like to do a different show, like we did The Hobbit, we did Skyfall, we did that trailer show. So now we're doing again. We're going to stop the news, throw out the rundown for reals, and <laughs> do House of Cards. I should say House of Cards is a Netflix original series that was released last Friday, I believe it was February 1st. All 13 episodes dropped all at once. So if you are a Netflix subscriber, you can watch the whole thing. So if you haven't seen it, stop listening to us right now, please. <laughs> and We're... even if you aren't a subscriber, you can watch the first one for free without oh. subscribing or free trial. There you go. This, this is but not a are... paid... Yes. It's not a paid we, advertisement mass... for Netflix, but We're, yes. we're going to dump some massive spoilers. We really I are. Mean, the, the word spoiler doesn't even <laughs> uh, apply to what we're going to do to this show in the next hour very much i mean we gave you a week right i think everyone should have watched it all by now we're gonna talk about this in a second i gave you a week but i understand if you still haven't finished it you still have some places to go go finish the show then listen to us we won't blame you but let's go ahead and jump in to the actual show uh, i wanted to start out by asking you guys about your experience with watching the show uh we've we've talked about this a lot on the observation lounge is the idea of dropping a show all at once you know we're used to watching an episode once a week and you know sometimes it'll be like six episodes and there's there's a hiatus and then it's you know 24 episodes over nine months this is a very very different way of watching tv Uh, how did it work out for you guys Uh, let me ask tristan first off uh i i really enjoyed it i mean like you said i mean we've talked about it a lot not just in on the observation lounge like even the episode that i was on we talked about it um, but just all of my all of my geek friends, it's we've all been abuzz with the idea of dropping a show all at once, and they're going to do that with Arrested Development's fourth mm-hmm. season as well. And I'm super excited about that because 
Netflix has realized that they have helped change the way that we watch television series is by, you know, just we want we want our marathons like everybody I talk to who watches Breaking Bad, they they collect as many episodes as they can and then do a marathon. I mean, even years ago when 24 was in its first and second season, I was about to bring up 24. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That was the first show where I was like, you know what? I can't do this. I cannot do this week to week. I'm going to wait for the DVDs. And so uh, me and my wife, we as soon as it it um, dropped, I guess you could say that about a yeah. <laughs> series. I don't know. Like what, right when Netflix dropped their single, um, <laughs> um, we uh, like as soon as I was off work, like I just rushed home and we watched as many as we could. I think we watched the first three in one night because we actually had to be responsible adults and get up and yeah. go to work the next morning. <laughs> so, so when I did really you actually, you, you started Friday. When did you actually finish the show? Oh, that, see, that was the sad part because like the geek in me wanted to just finish it all in one day, but I actually, it took me probably about five days to finish yeah. it because, and also I blame Netflix on a couple of those days because they, they blocked me out. There was some sort of trouble where I couldn't get it to stream. Ah, uh, yeah. But yeah, that that rounds up to about two, two or three episodes a night. I mean, that's reasonable. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of TV to watch the same TV every night. <laughs> yes. Um, I think that's about what we did, right, Catherine? We watched... I think um, it took us fin- three days? We finished it really fast, but we didn't start till maybe Saturday. And we were done Monday night. Yeah. Because we stayed up too late to, to watch we the did. last one. <laughs> I was definitely... Hardcore. Yeah, I was exhausted at work on Tuesday because yeah. I had to stumble in at six o'clock or seven o'clock and yeah we had stayed up till t- two or three watching the show um so maybe maybe we watched it a little too fast but we got to the point where you know five episodes in we really need to know what was going on next and then 10, ten episodes in you can't really stop uh, 10 Mar- 11 Martin- 12 and 13 are one thing that you have to finish and you have yeah. to know at that yeah. point yeah what about you martin how did, how did it go for you um I'd heard about the show um, before Christmas. There was an article in Empire magazine, and um, I'd seen there were trailers, and I was kind of... I didn't go out of my way to watch them, and earlier in the week, the internet was just like, yep, we've seen House of Cards, all of it. (laughs) So I fired up Netflix, and I think we watched uh, two or three the first night. I watched them about three or four nights and did you did you like that? Would you have preferred to have gotten it more parceled out? Um. Well, now I haven't got any more. Um, yeah. It might have been a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's how um, that's how we watch uh, most of my TV is just with either box sets or online. I mean. I was talking to someone on Twitter who was going, oh, it's the death of appointment TV and mm-hmm. everyone watching it at the same time. It's like, good. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it's about you know, time. There's a lot of people nostalgic for the idea of there's, uh, you know, 10 million people watching the same channel at the same time, but I'd rather watch it when it's convenient for me. And we're still talking about it. Right. We're talking about it more than, uh, you know, most things that go out live. You know, yeah, it's not I, like it's the moon landing, you know, like, it's, <laughs> you know, it, I mean, I understand, like, I, I, Martin, I like what you said about the nostalgia of it. 
I mean, because when I right when you said that word, I was thinking about the moon landing. I mean, I could see the advantage of live events, you know, everybody watching their TV at live events. But, you know, yeah. do we need it on a House of Cards type show? Yeah, the the um, the comparison I've been making, and Catherine reminded me that I've made this comparison before, but it's to Firefly when it was sort of there was a set of 13 episodes that most people hadn't seen. And it just got passed around and passed around. Okay, maybe five, 15 episodes? Don't, don't send me an email. But <laughs> the point is, people didn't really watch Firefly when it was released. A lot of people watched it with the DVD set. And then you watch it. And then you can talk about it with everybody. And you want to kind of get caught up so you can have that discussion. How many episodes, Tristan? 14. 14 <laughs> episodes. Thank you. Okay. Is that including, including the pilot? That, yeah, that includes everything. Okay. Yeah, I'll Martin. be honest, if we have another moon landing, I'll settle to watch it on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I want to watch the moon landing when I'm ready. And I want to fast forward through the commercials. I mean, the, the original moon landing was at 10 frames a second, so if Netflix can sort that out a month later in HD, fine. And then nice. we're going to question, like, is it going to be 24 frames or is it going to be high frame rate like The Hobbit? You know, it's, we all, these are all questions that need to be answered. I do hope that the next moon landing is in 3D. <laughs> I will wear my glasses to watch the moon landing in 3D. Uh, Catherine, what about you? What What was your perspective on, I mean, 13 episodes all at once? Well, I'm definitely one of those people who binges on TV and will watch all an entire show as quickly as possible. And what I've found has been happening with people lately is they won't watch a show. They won't watch a show. The final season will start to air. <laughs> and they'll watch all seven previous seasons in one sitting and then maybe watch the last season live for the sake of having that fan interaction for the last season. I have no complaints about being able to watch all the episodes in a weekend. I thought I would. I don't. Yeah, I, I really expect to be much more negative. I Even when I first started watching, I was still saying, I wish they'd done like half now, then half in a month. Um, I've been mm. super against the idea. You know, on this show, people can listen to older episodes and say i i'm still not really big on the idea i i like that i could watch it all at once there were a couple things we pointed out while we were watching it one of one is not having the previously on at the beginning it was sort of assumed that we had just seen the last episode we were up on what was happening that was really nice there were little subtle things that rewarded watching it all at once whereas i realized i think a typical show or one that was releasing week to week might just not bother with a lot of I the wonder, subtlety. I wonder how much thought was given to that right early on at the writing stage. Um, you look at a lot of shows, and especially in the first kind of six episodes, um, I mean, the second episode of Firefly is a really good example of that. There's a lot of scenes where people will be like, hello you, who is my sister, as you <laughs> <Yes>. know. <laughs> Right, And it was refreshing to see a program that just expected you to keep up. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, stuff like I was starting to notice certain people's ringtones and I would know who was calling just based on the ringtone. And I don't think I would have gotten that if it was watch an episode, then watch the next one, then watch the next one. I don't know they would have bothered. That's interesting that you bring that up because uh, this is probably the first show that had modern background sound effects that I've noticed. If if you're when they're at um Slugline headquarters mm -hmm. 
it's all Macintosh and Apple. It's all I'm sorry. It's all Apple um, notifications, ringtones, yep. alerts, and everything like that, all in the background. You didn't hear one. 24 style ringtone like <laughs> yes you know like from a desk phone because they all have their their mobiles they all have their right. cellular phones and i i, I really appreciated yeah. that and it was it was distinctive like you say on 24 it's that one sound no matter who's calling who and in this one it was very specific like yeah and we can talk about product placement a little bit later but like frank's got his blackberry and zoe's got her iphone and so when she's texting him it goes through as a text message and it's like, oh, they, they actually thought about that. So she was not sending an iMessage to Frank because she can't because he's not on I, on iOS. So stuff like that was was really cool. Um, I was weirded out a couple times because I think, Catherine, what did I say? It was it Zoe's was... ringtone. Wait, oh, no, go ahead. No, go, go ahead. I was just going to say, there's some moments where you're seeing someone's iPhone lock screen and it rotates. Oh, yeah. Because it's a picture and not an actual <laughs> lock screen. But that's that's just a small irritating error. yes that was there was one specific moment and i was like oh that's i mean it makes sense but they could have fixed that so it didn't happen the, the thing i was going to mention is i think it's zoe's ringtone or text tone for frank is the text tone i have for Catherine. <laughs> and there's just this mental is this pavlovian response it's like oh Catherine's no Catherine's <laughs> next to me watching the tv uh there was a lot of that going on because it was all iphone ringtones and everything like yeah. that it was i was like i constantly looked around the room <laughs> looking for my phone i was like oh right right and some they did something with the stereo that made mm, the vibration yep. sound very lifelike it's true i was i was, it was freaking very, out well that was the other thing about the quality program. of it it was really high quality once i got there were some problems with my ps3 and netflix for some reason i was having to play it on my computer but once i got the ps3 working and it was the high hd it was beautiful picture quality and really wonderful sound. I think it was even 5.1 stereo, uh, you know, surround if I'd had the setup. This is the best experience I've had watching a new show. You know, otherwise you'd have to like, like with Battlestar, I watched most of Battlestar on a dinky little SD screen, you know, like CRT monitor. And so watching it now on Netflix is way better. But this time, my first experience with House of Cards is super high quality. Didn't have to watch ads. Didn't have to do anything but boot up the Netflix and say, I want to watch the next episode. I, I'm kind of sold on the idea of this being the distribution model. Did you notice that they didn't enhance it for widescreen televisions? Yes. I was I weirded out. I really out. liked that. I liked it. I liked it I, a lot. I didn't know what was that aspect ratio. That's like 1.77. Wasn't... No, it's okay. 1.85. Well, um, 1.85 is, is what the actual... My TV it, oh, is. I, I always get it. Okay. Uh, yeah. 16 by 9 is 1.85. Yeah. But everything you see that's filmed for right. 1.85 is actually 1.77. Right. So they and just so, didn't crop it. Yeah. They just like blow it up just a little bit so that you don't see yeah. any black bars on the top and bottom. It, that is, if it's, if, it's, if it's a movie, it's 1.77. But if it's a TV show, they usually film it at, at um, 1.85. Well, they do now. There was a weird period when widescreen TVs were first a thing where everything was kind of not yeah, the right aspect ratio. Yeah. Well, what did you feel was the reason behind that? I was sort of feeling it, it was to make it feel like semi-cinematic without going full scope. I would have hated for the whole thing to be in scope and, you know, 2.35. 
Yeah. Oh, that would have been ridiculous. Um, yeah. I, I think it was Fincher's influence, and I also think that it was they spent $100 million uh, on 13 of these episodes, and they want to make it look as, as cinematic as possible. I mean, they they hired a, a director who's very famous for making digital look like film, and I th I think that was the the reason right there is just to give the illusion that, okay, you're watching something that's supposed to be not quite a film, but better than your average TV. Yeah, what was your perspective on that, Martin? It was very David Fincher. Um, I can't think of another word to put this, but uh, <laughs> he uses a color scheme which is uh, sometimes referred to as uh, urine ye yellow. Ah, <laughs> yes. uh, I, I was well, I always yes. say like his whites are cream. Like all, yeah. all of his all of his bright whites are actually a cream color, and that tones that tones all of his other colors down and makes the greens much more foresty you know that kind of thing it definitely looked much more like one director's distinctive style than you usually get from a tv show you know even when they bring in a big name director to do the pilot this you know this adventure written all over it well it's not like uh, it's not really like the uh, the Lost pilot really looks like a JJ film. It just looks like Lost. Um, trying to think of the Pushing Daisies pilot probably looks a lot like a Sonnenfeld film. Mm. So that's probably one. Trying to remember House. If House looks singer-esque. I think House just looks House-esque. House, -esque. And then House the whole looks with ugly being... for three years. That's the weird. Yeah, it's weird. It's like... Well, they filmed it in black and white and converted it to color is why. For the pilot, yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that's a weird... I'm just trying to think of all the big-name directors who have done... Did Cameron shoot the um, the Dark Angel pilot? He, I bet you he did. I think he did. I, I've not seen that one, so I can't speak to, to whether it feels... But this, it really felt like Social Network, you know, the, the, the TV show. Like, like, like Social Zodiac Network crossed... Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, that, that Fincher. I mean, we're not talking about... This doesn't look like Seven or really Fight Club... It no. looks like this new whatever Fincher's doing. I don't know really <laughs> what it is, but he's got something going Kevin, on. Hmm? The girl with the Kevin Spacey tattoo. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Well, and so the and I guess we should go ahead and talk about Fincher. Um, the first two episodes were directed by Fincher, and they feel very, very Finchery. There's the the shot he loves where somebody's walking, and it's. It's something weird where they're like walking slowly, they get close to camera, and the camera's moving in a very specific way to follow them. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of shots like that can social network. And they were done by Fincher, and then you could tell the other directors were kind of trying to do his style. But the whole yeah. thing, it felt like it, they had a style guide that was basically, shoot it like Fincher would. Well, even in the episode, I don't remember which number it was, obviously, because I watched in them in five episode blocks. But there is one not directed by Fincher that ends with a rack focus to a spider, <laughs> which just sort of screamed David Fincher. And then yeah. it just fades away to end the episode. So he definitely, they carried over his influence very heavily through the whole thing. Well, I mean, he, he was, I want to know how heavily involved he was with the show after those first two episodes yeah. because his name is executive producer on every single episode but i want to know if he did it jj abrams style where with lost and fringe where he kind of started it and then just went eh, okay you guys can take care of it now um yeah well i know because... that they hired bo williman on to 
be the showrunner. So my understanding is Fincher wasn't there day to day. Okay. But it does feel like he had more of an influence than just came in to shoot the pilot. Because, yeah, that was J.J. J.J. was completely hands-off. People can blame him for the ending of Lost. And it's like, you realize J.J. like watched the show? That's all. <laughs> and maybe yeah. he didn't even do that. Like, I'm, I'm, there's no guarantee J.J. was watching the show in the 60s. Greg, <laughs> it still hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Why did you have to bring that up? Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> Just give us a few more years. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I like. I really was surprised to see Joel Schumacher on yeah, for two episodes. I know. I was really intrigued by like when I saw his name pop up on the credits. I was like, oh, holy crap! Like this is. I felt like he did the best job of doing a Fincher esque episode, yeah. and I was I was so blown away by that. A person I thought did the worst. Epi- oh, go ahead, Martin. His episodes were really good. I've yeah. never seen anything else he's done. I'm going to rent them all now. <laughs> don't. That's yeah, what no, Netflix no, is for. No, that's what don't they do. That. do. Don't do well, that. Sh- sh- Schumacher is not. Let, let's not bag on him too much. Yes, he made what was it? Batman, Batman Forever, Batman, Batman and Robin. Forever, and Batman Robin. But Batman and Robin was supposed to be this big send up parody thing. Batman Forever, I actually think, is a rather good Batman film for the Burton film era. Nobody. I like it. Throw down your headphones. Okay, you're sort of with me. No, Thomas? I really like Batman Forever. I thought okay. it was the only one. People like uh, fan of Phantom of the Opera. Not not everyone, but it's okay. Kath, Catherine's not agreeing with me, but it's, well it's not made. a terrible film. It's not like Schumacher's fault. I just think it's horrendous. Right, but that's fine. So there's other stuff Schumacher's done. I mean, what I think is cool about this is they got not one but two major Hollywood directors on the show. Um, not terribly familiar with the other guys. They were mostly TV directors. But Schumacher, to get him on the show to do two episodes, that's really rather impressive. As Martin says, his episodes were great. Yeah, yeah. Like, who, I, who I, would have expected that? Um, what I was saying earlier, since we're still on directors, is I thought that the worst director was James Foley. Um, he, was, he did chapter three, four, and nine. And I like okay. those episodes. I like the content in those episodes. I didn't like his direction and camera movement. There was a lot of unmotivated right. sweeps and pans for no reason. And uh, that I think he was the only director that stood out to me that very, felt very amateurish. Um, but well, I was going to say, I, those episodes definitely feel have a different feel than the ones done by Fincher and the other directors. Yeah. Yes, very much so. Yeah, I remember being really let down episode three. I'm like, oh, Fincher's done. Yeah, yes <laughs> like, like right off the bat you could tell up oh, nope this is not fincher at all i was actually hoping I had this, yeah oh go ahead tristan i had the same thing oh. i was like oh he's not doing them nah. all yeah i think everyone had that collective oh okay <laughs> now is there anyone here who's not a fincher fan i mean anyone I, I i'm he's a big part of the reason i watched the show in the first place a friend of mine had had a sort of oh house of cards i wonder what that is and then he clicked and saw david fincher and and he's he's my friend who watched the whole thing um friday like he was just working from home and he put it in a corner of the screen while he did his work and just watched the whole thing and he was not interested at all till he found out fincher was on the project and then mm-hmm. that was it and i'm pr- i was pretty much the same way just you know six months ago I, I love this. I mean, you look at his filmography, it's all films I love. Maybe yeah. Benjamin Absolutely. Button aside, but I, I, I like that movie more than I like a lot of other stuff. And yeah. 
I when I heard about it when I first heard about this project about two years ago, I was intrigued because it was it was just it, it was just like in Variety. It was just David Fincher is in talks with Netflix to do a TV show. I was like, what is that going to be like? And so I was like, I kept checking the news whenever there was any little bit of information about what was going on. I'm I'm a huge huge Fincher fan, and thankfully yeah. my wife is too. So nice. I was I was hoping he was going to come back for the finale for episode thirteen because they're sort of doing is like two episodes one director two episodes another yeah and then it came up as like oh not Fincher oh well I think it could have used his direction I think it would have been a smart idea for him to come back it would have been a slightly more powerful ending but the ending stood pretty strongly by by itself I would say it's a really good well okay so oh no go ahead Martin then we'll move on. It is a TV schedule at the end of the day, and uh, they do have to film the other episodes, whereas yeah. Fincher likes to take uh, 30 <laughs> takes of every shot. <laughs> I did I did want to ask, if, well, it's, a, it's an open question I have, and I don't know if anyone on this panel knows the answer, but how did they do the schedule? Like, I imagine Fincher didn't shoot his two episodes back to back, right? Or if, if they did, it wasn't he shot his two, then the next guy came in and shot his two. It was more like... You do your episode, finish it, do your next one. But meanwhile, the other ones are being done as well. So oh, it may have taken I, yeah. all the time for Fincher to do his episodes. So he, he didn't even have time to come back for the last one. Well, they filmed for an entire I, year. Um, that's about all that I know, is that hmm. they started filming in January of 2012. Um, oh, wow. So they had a whole year to do 13 episodes. So they could have gone at their leisure, you know, depending, like, do a lot in one month and do less in another. I don't know. I don't know. I did notice there's an episode somewhere in the middle that Kate Marr is not in. Oh, really? Um, so um, I don't know if they did the House of Cards equivalent of a Dr. Light episode. <laughs> was that Was that, Was that? that the Sentinel episode? I don't know. I watch them all in one go. <laughs> yeah. It was. I, I think it was the one where we go to Spacey's, um, yeah, Alma Mater and things that was happen the there. Yeah, the Sentinel. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah, because it, it was very much. I mean, what was like? Maybe there was some stuff. No, what was going on that we saw other than that? Like it was most of the show took place. I was blinded by the guy love in that episode. I yeah. don't really remember anything around that. <laughs> it was awesome. Well, maybe we should go ahead and move on. We're man, we're we're taking a lot of time, but this is this is good. <laughs> I do want to talk about frank underwood and his amazing accent for one thing as well as the way he talked to the camera and he was so charming especially at the beginning of the show where you were just getting to know him i just wanted him to be my friend and then he didn't want me to be his friend anymore i spacey 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 i think we were we were hashtagging spacey for a long time on the show because he just kept doing things, and he was so wonderful. He was fantastic. He would smile at you and then stab the you in the face. Jim. <laughs> <laughs> let let me ask just... what you say. <laughs> I was just gonna say he would smile at you and then stab you in the face. <laughs> I think he would. Right in the face. No shame. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask first off, right off the bat, what you guys thought of the talking to the camera, because okay, the the teaser of the quote unquote pilot. He is basically spending the whole thing talking to the camera. And at the end of it, I was like, okay, that was fine. I hope he's done. Like, mm. I really hoped that was, he would never talk to the camera again. That was just a, a weird 
introduction to the show sort of thing. And then he very quickly keeps talking to the camera. And it really took me a while to get on board with it. And I can, I can talk more about when it clicked for me. But what did you guys think? Uh, uh, let me go to Martin since you've not talked in a little while. What did, what did you think about the talking to the camera? Well, I was expecting it because um, I'd seen the uh, BBC original. Um, yes, I did watch every episode. Oh, nice. A Netflix original series. And I just sat there going, ha! It's not. <laughs> um it was something I, w- I was wondering. I was like, is, you know, are they going to drop that? Um, he, he doesn't do it nearly as much as uh, Ian Richardson does in oh. the BBC show. Um, it's um, the BBC series in its way is almost darker. Um, and it's very much a modern Richard III in the mm. Shakespeare sense. And his talking to the camera is very much like soliloquies. Um, and I think the way Netflix have done it is he does it more conversationally, where he'll just be doing a scene and turn to us and tell us something. Yeah. Whereas in the BBC show, it's much more, they give him scenes just to narrate. Huh. I mean, not exclusively, but it's more in that vein. And... When I first watched the show, um, that did take a bit of time to adjust to, but um, I think it's something that really makes both series stand out. Um, And I think it's what lets us like the character. It's because he's very charming, but he's telling us what he's not telling the other characters. And it lets us into his world, um, which makes us forgive all his uh, dog murdering. <laughs> Captain, you're, you're shaking your head at that. Well, I just, I don't forgive him for a moment we can talk about later. Oh. Okay. Well, yeah, but but for, for a long time, like Martin, you, you talked about these little asides. Where it, where it clicked for me first, them talking to the camera was, oh shoot, now I'm going to forget it exactly, but I think it's where he goes in to talk to, oh, what is her name, Laura? L- Linda. Nancy? Linda. Linda. <laughs> wow, I'm terrible. I know most of the names, but no, Linda. And he, before he goes into the room, he says to us, I think such and such is going to happen. Like, I think they're going to say this guy's name. And then the meeting starts, and she says it. And he wordlessly just looks over at us, smiles. Yes. And goes back to the scene. It was awesome. I, I, I'm pretty sure I squeed in delight when that <laughs> happened. And I was sold on it because I, I was until then. I was like, ah, oh, this is stupid. I hate this. But yeah, the way he just lets us in a little bit. Uh, Tristan, what about you? How was it working for you? Well, I, I was a little, I don't know. I, I was a little cautious like you because when I, when I saw the first episode, at first I was like, okay, this could be weird. Even though I really like it when the fourth wall is broken. I like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, High Fidelity, even Fresh Prince of Bel-Air did it a lot. Um <laughs> I I, I kind of like that stuff, but at the same time, for a drama, I was like, mm, maybe this won't work. But as it went on, we started having those moments when he just kind of looked at the camera like, you know what I'm saying, and then looked back. <laughs> and like I said earlier, I feel like he's like an evil version of Jim from The Office, where he just gives us oh, those wow. glances, and it makes us it like when when Jim glances at at the office, we just kind of laugh, and when Spacey does it, it makes us feel enveloped by his character. 
And I was listening to an interview with Kevin Spacey, and he said that when he performs as Frank Underwood, he treats the audience as his most trusted ally that hmm. – um, that like the audience would never betray him and so that's why he can divulge all of his secrets and all of his thoughts and i thought that was an interesting way to play it and i think it definitely came off that way i think the well, moment that... that you had uh, um was very like the one that i had was when they established what kind of relationship that claire and him have when he was about to go up the stairs he's like i love that woman i love her more than shocks love blood and i just thought mm. that was perfect <laughs> Wait, so you say we're his most trusted ally. You know, he's got Stamper that he tells most everything. So there's a lot he keeps from Stamper, too. There's some he keeps from us. Like, it's weird. Um, we talked about that Sentinel episode. He really doesn't talk to the camera in that episode. Because it's such personal stuff. He's dealing with his past, who he is. He's not... Catherine, you can remind me what you said um, at the time. But he's not, like, trying to... He's not he's trying not... to persuade anyone yeah, or yeah. convince us of anything. And he's not trying to justify his own actions because he's drunk. And he's, <laughs> he's in the moment. He's, he sees his old friends when they're walking up the aisle to him and they're singing. And as an audience member, we're going, oh, oh, emotions. And they're real. Oh, God. <laughs> and then he doesn't share them with us because he's, right. he's not performing for anyone. He's just having these, these experiences. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then at the end of the episode, he does finally turn back to the camera and he says some stuff. And then the music starts back. And you're like, oh, he's back to reality. But that whole Sentinel episode, he just he couldn't bring himself to say anything to us. Same thing happens. It's not like he's talking us through the the scene in the garage. He, he's doing it and we're watching him, but he doesn't even trust us with his his mindset or why he's doing it. He just has to do it himself. And then he'll he'll get back to us eventually. But you could tell there was even a while after that that he couldn't talk to us. And I was actually angry when he finally did talk. It's like, Spacey, don't talk to me. You don't get to talk to me right now. <laughs> and when he finally did, I was like, just stop it. But, he, you know, he had to get back into the groove eventually. But it's it's interesting. It's not just a narration that's, you know, like Blade Runner, where they put in the narration so we know what's going on. Um like they say on tonight's community episode, it's funny because it's clear. Um, it's n nothing like that. It's not to make it more clear. It's actually to complicate things. It's to get us inside of his head. It adds to the story, to the character. Well, I was going to say, the, the reason it took me personally so long to get into Spacey talking to the camera was because there was a show that came out in 96 starring Adrian Pazdar. It was called Prophet. Oh. And it's the it's it's the same show. <laughs> it's Adrian Pazdar staring deep into your eyes and being like, "I'm a huge jerk, but this is why." <laughs> I'm also creepy, and this is why. And it's the same sort of staring into the camera, getting you into his world idea. It was based on the original House of Cards. So I was sitting there watching. 1990. It. I know. Yeah. I wasn't saying. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't the first to. It wasn't the first to pioneer that. She's no. not saying that, but. Yeah. But that that was my roadblock. So it took me until Charmy, uh, until Charmy, Spacey, <laughs> Spacey charmed me, is what I meant to say. Charmy. But we can That's call him Charmy. Uh, Charmy. Oh look, Charmy. Charmy's on the screen. Well, I don't love him as I did in the first couple episodes. Yeah. <laughs> well, so not having seen the original, um, I had no idea where this was going. You know, I just thought, right. okay, it's it's a 
he's a politician, you know, as, as Anakin says, he's a politician and they're not to be trusted. So I, I understand. Obi- Obi-Wan said that. Oh, I'm sorry. Obi-Wan said <laughs> that. Please write Craig. letters. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's right. Anakin, Anakin was trusting. Anyway. <sighs> but I had no idea that he was going to go as dark as he did. And so I was totally allowing myself to enjoy him. I was saying, you know, he's the darkest parts of Jed Bartlett. Which, you know, that's okay. Like, the darkest parts of Jed Bartlett aren't the worst thing in the world. It's Jed Bartlett kept himself. Josh could have done some worse things than he ever did over the course of the West Wing. Um, But it just seems like Spacey uh, doesn't quite have the moral compass Martin, you'd seen the original House of Cards before seeing this, is that right? Yes. Okay, so you uh, were expecting... First thing I'd... Uh, no, I'm just a bit big around the middle. Um... <laughs> first thing I'd say is at the end of episode 13, uh, Netflix throws up, uh, you know, do you, what do you want to watch next? The West Wing? And I'm like, yes! <laughs> yes. Exactly. Light fluffy politics, please! Um, yeah, I saw the original House of Cards in about 2004. Okay. It it came, it was a BBC show uh, from 1990 um, starring um, Ian Richardson, who the last thing he did was to play Death in the uh, Hogfather. Oh, okay. Um, and this is kind of like, the role he's most famous for. Um, and he plays a character called Francis Urquhart, uh, who no one would dare call Frank. Right. And he <laughs> he is the uh, chief whip for the Conservative Party, who are the, um, you know, would be more in sync with the Republicans. Um, and it starts very similarly um there's uh, just been a change in leadership. Basically, this is one of those insane things that happens once in a generation. It was based on a book about um, the uh, struggles for power in the Conservative Party after Margaret Thatcher steps uh, down. Okay, okay. And the TV show was written and filmed as a alternate un- universe, for lack of a better phrase, about... Um, Margaret Thatcher stepping down after being Prime Minister for over 10 years. Um, they aired the show the week she had a vote of no confidence. Oh, wow. Yes, Greg, like in The Phantom Menace. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you. Just like Chancellor Valorum. <laughs> There's Chancellor Valorum so, now. By complete fluke, the events that they made the drama about just so happened to play out in real time. That's amazing. And, uh, yeah, the British show, um, it is, it's kind of like the West Wing when it, you know, when they start solving the peace problem in the Middle East and getting a bit off from reality, it does that. They, um, they actually made three series, um, each with four hour-long episodes. The second one has Urquhart as Prime Minister, and his main adversary is the King of England, 
who it's never outright stated if he's supposed to be Prince Charles. Mm. Okay, okay. Interesting. Uh, but you basically have a very right-wing prime minister having to deal with a socialist king who has no political power. Um, and you know, it's a great show. They take it in very interesting directions. Um, the, I mean, what Netflix have done is they've taken the basic structure, but they've stretched it out a lot more. They've um, taken it in different directions using the same sort of themes. Um, and... I love and am horrified that you can take a political drama from 20 years ago and pretty much keep it the same <laughs> and changing so little um, because, you know, things don't change. It's sort of like how Battlestar Galactica tried to explain how the original could still be in the same universe, right, just yeah. very far away and very long ago. <laughs> yeah, I, but was he was he as charming in the original? Did he Did he... Like, draw you in the way that that Spacey does? Not in the way that Spacey does, but certainly in his own way. Um, all the characters are... You're talking about the leaders of the Conservative Party in 1990. Um, so they're all old white guys. <laughs> right. Um, but they're also that old school stereotype of the British gent, at least on the outside. Um, but he's uh, definitely a very smooth talker and very charming. Okay, I never felt like I'd he say... was like um, having a conversation with us in the original House of Cards. I always felt like he was, uh, like, like you said earlier, Martin, with the the soliloquies and the um, and the Richard III, um, you know, parallels. It was I always like when I watched the original. I always felt like he was just giving us information or just quoting us some poetry. Um, but with Underwood, I always felt like it was much more like, come here, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a secret. I'm going to keep you in on something. But that was just my perspective. I don't know if you, did you, how did, how did you feel about that difference between Underwood and, and uh, Richardson? It's um, yeah. Underwood is definitely more conversational. Um, if you remember the last thing uh, Urquhart says at the end of the first House of Cards, um, he kind of breaks that. And um, do you guys um, do you want me to give spoilers, oh, or yeah. do you want me to stay vague? No, that'd be, that'd be fine. <laughs> it's it's a very old show at this point. I think we can spoil it without <laughs> complaints. Okay. Um, Basically, at the end of House of Cards, Urquhart does something that I'd argue, um, and Tristan, I don't know if you'd agree, is uh, more horrific than what Russo does to, um, what Underwood does to Russo. Uh, Catherine's shaking her head. I, I haven't seen it, but I, I already disagree. But no, tell me, tell me what happens. <laughs> what, what does he do, Martin? Um, basically, um, the re and I was disappointed that Netflix didn't work this in. Um, he basically throws the reporter character off the uh, tower that Big Ben's in. Oh, wow. He just throws throws the reporter off. Well, I guess there's always season two. <laughs> yeah. Except it'll be on the Washington <laughs> Monument. <laughs> I believe Francis Underwood will do more horrific and terrible, yeah. depressing things. Yeah. 
I mean, it's going to be great. At this point, I'm just I'm awesome. so mad at Spacey. Catherine, you, you can maybe talk about Spacey a little bit because we were both so charmed by him at the beginning. Oh, it was bad to watch our love of him just go into steep decline as the Russo arc played out. Why don't we go ahead and talk about Russo? We'll, we'll go ahead and slide into there. Can we can we set aside an hour for me to talk about Russo <laughs> and how I feel about him? I think we should start it's, now. <laughs> it's not good. It's not good. I accidentally chose him as my favorite character, which did not work out well <laughs> for me. Well, it, we were so at the beginning of the Russo arc, we couldn't tell him apart from from uh, Doug fr- from Doug Stamper because they're both kind of bald white men, and you know all white men look alike. And we were just trying to figure. And then there were scenes where they were in the scene together, and that was even worse. It was not good. <laughs> so confusing. But eventually, we figured out. Okay, this is the the congressman that Frank kind of owns. And then this is this other guy is sort of the trusted advisor. Okay, we got them. And then we started learning so much about Peter. And his beautiful girlfriend, Christina. Oh, Christina. Who and loved it- him without fault, just no matter how stupid he was. If you look at it, it's kind of like Russo was the character that would be the lead in another show. Yeah. He was sort of the redeemed hero who was just failing us and failing us. And then as he started to sort of get himself back together... Francis Underwood threw him under a bus and then and then murdered him ruthlessly, which I thought was a little bit rude. Like, well, he, he could have stopped. He could have stopped at tearing him apart, you know, throwing throwing the prostitute at him. He could have stopped there, and that would have been awful. Um, but then he also killed him, which, yeah, is kind of unforgivable and irredeemable, and especially because we loved him. So much. So very much. It was bad. And it's it was not the good. Law. <laughs> yeah, so. That's not that's, So are a lot of things that happen in House of Cards. But whatever, but, you know. I'm pretty sure murdering a dog on the street is probably illegal, I feel like. Well, the, that was a mercy two, thing. There are two kinds of pain. <laughs> Tr- so Tristan, during the week, while we were both or all of us were sort of in the midst of it. We had a yes. little bit of a little bit of talking about House of Cards. We we didn't go into too much, and we knew we were gonna save it. This was before we knew that Russo gets brutally killed, right? Um, in episode nine or ten, and you didn't sound as positive on Russo. It sounded like you didn't like him as much. You weren't in love with him as as Catherine and I were. I, and this is just my opinion. All right, <laughs> this, these this is just opinions of me, the ISS. That's it. Um, <laughs> I, I I I couldn't stand Russo. I I thought he he was absolutely one hundred percent my least favorite character in the show, and I did not even think he became watchable until he started running for governor. And I understand the appeal of the redemption storyline. I, I I get that. I get that. Like he was he was an addict, he was an alcoholic, and he turned his life around. I do like that aspect. I, I like that he turned his life around and he didn't slit his wrists in the bath. Um, I like that he's like, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna make something of myself. I like that. that. Can, can I step in and talk about that scene real quick? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> it's like, Spacey's like, Greg, it, c- c- come, come in the bathroom, it, it, take off your clothes, get in the bath. Nothing weird is going to happen. <laughs> nothing weird is going to happen. <laughs> I want to know like what the script like, direction said. It was like, Kevin Spacey's gonna talk to you and he's gonna get you naked and then put you in a bathtub. But it's fine. He's only trying to get you to off yourself. Don't. Yeah, I love how But Russo, he knows you like, won't. It's, there was fine. no moment of hesitation in Russo. It was just like, oh, okay. He just started yeah. just roping. He takes his pants off. But, yeah, I'm just like, whenever 
Russo and his girlfriend were on the screen, my wife and I would just scream at the TV, I don't care. Oh, wow. Just but her... S- no. Didn't care. <laughs> didn't Tristan, care. Tristan, I love and respect you useless, as a person. Useless you're stupid. character. No. <laughs> you're, you're, no, your opinions are stupid and wrong. No, you're, you... You're, you are watching things wrong. That is what no, you're doing. No. You're having fun what wrong. What part... No. Someone's on... She loved him so much, even though he was such an idiot, and it was so painful to watch her just love him forever. Every time he screwed up, she would be like, oh, I'm just taking her kids to school because you're drunk because I'm perfect. And he would still <laughs> screw up. It was it was beautiful to watch in a really heartbreaking, terrible way. And and that that wow. all of that could be true and probably is true. But I just didn't care because it separated well, I care me that you don't care. from the rest of the storyline that I was interested in. Like that. It like did- yeah. When you have ensemble shows like that, and you are really into one or two storylines, and you have three or four, when you get to that third one, you're like, oh, just don't care. Get me back to Claire, or get me back to Frank. And let's well, get I back think to once the real storyline. Once you understand how important Rousseau is to Frank's plan, I think you go back and watch the show. I think you'll be paying more attention. You'll care more. You know how it's tied in. At the beginning, yeah, it's why are we following this guy? Yeah. Uh, I want to get back to... What's going on with Frank? What's going on with um, Zoe Barnes? I, I can see that. Uh, I, I've heard similar complaints about shows like Lost. Like, I hate this character. I'm like, I like that character, but I can see what you mean. Like, if you don't care right. about it, you're not going to care about the storyline. It's never going to connect with you. Um, but by the end, I mean, he once he started running for governor, you did start caring. Yes, yes. And like, like you he- said, I mean, if I go back and watch this, because I will, um, oh. I might have a different perspective on Russo. Even though I did not mourn his passing, like you guys did whatsoever. Uh, okay, we're gonna move on. We're gonna move on. Martin, <laughs> Martin, Martin Lejeune. What did you think of Peter Russo? Um, I kind of. Have you seen Flight, the Denzel Washington film? I haven't gotten to it yet. I do want to see it. I kind of had the same issue I had with the character in that film, where they're both alcoholics and they've both been sat down and told. No, no drinking for you. And they've both turned around and gone, that sounds like a reasonable point you're making. Not going to drink anymore. And then they go and drink some more. And it just loses me. I know know people like that. I think that's the thing. I've had very close friends, exactly like Peter Russo. And I I think that's, that's part of why I was able to empathize. And especially with Christina, like I understood where he was coming or where she was coming from. And I understood his perspective of, less. I know this is bad. I know I should stop doing this. Oh, here's someone who wants to help me. I'm going to latch onto them. But they can't just save me in a moment. Like, going to meetings doesn't just save you. Uh, so that was, that was really connecting me. As, as cliche as it may be, it is a real thing that actually happens to people. I, Peter you- was struck me as more real than a lot of these other characters. He really felt real to me. Yeah, you're you're definitely right. I mean, I I I've known people like that, multiple people who have acted exactly like Russo, and so it was a very realistic portrayal. And no, the relapses, as in plural, that happened to him were very real because that's what happens. I mean, I really enjoyed even the interaction that he had with the doorman, where he said he's like, Aww. "Hey, you know, I've had I've had an uncle fell off the wagon. You know, it's not good to be alone. How about I give this money back? I'll take the." you know, the, the bag off your hands. And he's like, no, 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 no. You know, 
That could have been his I moment. I love that scene. Yeah. What'd you say? I love that yeah, scene. I thought it was a very, very well done scene. Thought it was very real. There was the scene there with him and his really daughter. Pow- Go ahead. Yes, yes. There were two really um, powerful, subtle scenes in the series that stood out for me, um, which uh, you know most shows that don't have like fifty-five minute run times would have just been the first thing they cut. One was that, and the other was when the vice president just goes into the Oval Office to get his pen. Oh, yeah. oh God. I hated that scene. Oh, really? Tristan. I did. I did. Tristan has no empathy, we've learned today on the Observation Lounge. No, okay. I will, I will, okay. I'm going to give, here's a broad stroke, and you pro- you guys are probably not going to like this. I was going to save this for the end, but we're, I, we're getting there. I really like this show. Okay. I really enjoyed this show, but here is my, here's my pie chart of House of Cards. Okay. 50% great storytelling, 40% cliche. 10% unmotivated action. That is well, not okay, if, if that cards. 10% is is Claire who makes I, I, no sense. I think like ever. 7% of that 10% is Claire, yeah. Claire, Claire makes no sense. Let, let's talk about let's uh, we'll, we'll, Hang on. What what you've got to understand though, what you've got to appreciate is I know I've known people in my life who are literate and they like pens and they like their <laughs> special pens. So his getting that pen Felt real to me. I I so understood. <laughs> oh, like, I love I, that scene. I understood. Okay. Are, are we talking what about when he president... sneaks into the Oval Office, right? Or are we talking about a different yes. scene? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. I, I, it got us inside of his head. It let us know more about who this um, vice president was, and it it led us into, you know, Frank convincing him to leave leave the vice presidency and become governor again. Part of that was realizing he wanted to be the executive. He didn't want to be the executive's, I'm not going to use this word on Trek FM. He didn't want to be the right hand, not even the right hand man, uh, the word I'm not going to use. He, <laughs> he wanted to be that guy in power and, and him sitting in that seat, you totally heartbreak. It's so it's such a heartbreaking scene. I don't scene. even know if it's that he wants power. He just wants recognition of the position yeah. that he already has. Everyone, every time they be... talk about him, they're like, oh God, not, not the vice president again. Oh no. And they, they just. You can tell that no one respects him even a little bit. Yeah. He just didn't want to be Bingo Bob. Yeah. Yeah, that was the, I it, I was reminded of the West Wing. Um I mean, we never see the vice president in like the first what is it, season and a half until he resigns? Or is that even in the first season? I think that's season 2. Oh, I th- I thought so. So we don't really like he's he's totally pushed to the side. No one cares about him. All, kind of all through that show, no one cares about the VP. Which I think is kind of VPs in general, but it's part of Frank's plan. Is he probably convinced, like in stuff we didn't see, he probably convinced the president to pick this guy so that there could be a weak vice president so that he could wheedle his way into that. We're coming up close on an hour. I'm, I'm going to have to make some executive decisions of my own about what to talk about. We haven't talked about Zoe Barnes, and we haven't talked about the, the whole plot with the reporters. And and I really I really do want to touch on this. Um, reporters is something the West Wing never really touched on. I mean, we had a couple here and there. Timothy Busfield was kind of wheedling her way in, but CJ was always too aware of journalistic ethics to to really do anything. No, she may have been sleeping with him, but she wasn't going to give him a story that she didn't give everybody. Whereas I think this is a much more realistic portrayal of Washington. I mean, it's a 
kind of realistic portrayal of Seattle. So <laughs> I, I imagine it's even more so in, in this horrible town where everyone only wants power and can connections. And the idea that Zoe would have been sleeping around and the idea that her, what's, what's the word? What's the opposite of, of protege? The, the White House correspondent. But that she had slept with a lot of people to get stories, including a congressman. It felt very believable. What, what did you guys think of that? Well, I was going to say, I think it's just a very accurate portrayal of human nature for, the, yeah. for that kind of person who so badly wants to get ahead and so badly will do anything to get ahead. I think it was just the logical course of action in their minds. It's like, oh, I need this story and he needs me to sleep with him to get it. I'll probably do that. I feel like that was her thought process for starting that relationship. Oh, Zoe Barnes. <laughs> I'm just, ugh. I had an init initial um, resistance to Zoe Barnes, mainly because I don't particularly like Kate Mara. Um, hmm. I've seen, I, the first time I saw her was years ago when she was a lesbian cheerleader in Nip Tuck. And, oh, God, um, that was her. That was her. <laughs> And um, everything I'd and I just saw her in bit parts here and there afterwards, and I was just like, okay, she's an actress, nothing great, nothing bad. But I, I did enjoy her the style that she brought to the show. I, I did gain a newfound respect for Kate Mara. She is uh, the lesser of the Maras. <laughs> that I think that goes without saying. I mean, it, it's hard to compare yourself to Rooney, and I think even yeah. read an article the other day where she says that she doesn't, they don't compare each other because they take such different roles. Right. And um, well, the Rudy's yeah, yeah. role in Social Network was not super dissimilar. They're both kind of just playing. Well, I mean, not just playing, but you know, you could imagine Rooney Mara in that playing Zoe Barnes. I feel like that was the kind of role that any, yeah, any actress could have played. <laughs> played, yeah, kind of interchangeable. Yeah, considering what Rooney usually does, no, you're absolutely true about that. So you were initially resistant. I, How yeah, did I, that work out? I was. I, I I like her. I mean, I, I liked her. I mean, I was. <laughs> you guys are gonna laugh at me but um what i when i watched the first two episodes with my wife i was after the first episode i was really excited i was like oh i love i love the direction that they're going with this i love how unique and non-cliche all this stuff is because we, we we're in dc and we have a a, a savvy uh politician who has a strong deep relationship with his wife that he loves there's no mistress um <laughs> you know i just started going on and on about how it's cool that they aren't doing this stuff, and then just two episodes later, they do all the stuff that I said was awesome that they didn't. And so I liked the I liked the first type of relationship that Frank and Zoe had, where it was it, I kind of wanted to see Frank groom Zoe into a a, a what's the what's the term I'm looking for like a big time reporter, like help yeah, yeah. like help her get a career real fast which is what she was doing when she was on tv and all that business instead of just sleeping with each other for stories and information and everything like that because i thought it was so cliche it was interesting to see the other side but then it just kind of devolved into that well i honestly think claire's role in that marriage is a lot worse than than frank's i feel yeah. like the way the things she does are just bad to everyone involved frank at least him and um him and zoe have an understanding of what they have Mm -hmm. Claire's um, little bit on the side is just so not on board with being the bit on the side. Yeah, yeah. He's he's so Adam. Is that his name? That is. His he's name. he's so in love with Claire, 
and he has been for years. And, you know, even if Frank knows about him, which I guess he does, but still there's the the week where, where Claire just disappears to be with him, um, which is, I mean, Frank never did anything like that. Um, the, I, I think even the moment he slept with Zoe, like he came home and she was like, oh, the reporter? Like, yeah. It's like, so, so you can even like, like I, I have a, a thing where like with marriage is like, I'm not going to complain about anybody's marriage. Like they know what's going on, but we get so inside their heads here that I don't, they're not really, they're not really okay. This is really not working out. Well, Claire also single-handedly bring down, brings down Frank's entire plan. The water the shit. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, she's like, whoops, I decided my money was more important than your entire career. You're like, it's, fine. Yeah. it's like, all that work. Hmm. Too bad, <laughs> you all, had to murder yeah, actually, that all guy. All that hard work, yeah. Hard work. <laughs> Martin, how, how was, um, how were the relationships, the marriage, how was that working for you? Um, you know what, I, I wasn't watching it going, God, these, these Claire scenes are boring, let's fast forward. But looking back, I'm kind of thinking... Couldn't we take that all out yeah. and not lose anything? Um, I mean, she's very different from um, the wife in the original show, who was much more... Uh, she's actually the one who kind of gets him to start scheming in the first place, and is very much um, just egging him on the whole time. And she's not a main character in the same sense. Um but she's just encouraging him to to go for his plans, and at one point he basically turns around and uh, she turns around and says, uh, "Yeah, if, it, if if you need to, uh, you can sleep with that reporter. You know, wait for a night when I'm out. But you know, yeah. that's cool. <laughs> that's that's a slightly different situation than the Claire situation where she's crazy. Well, yeah, I mean, was it that different? I mean, because he went and talked to her about it. And I she felt, wasn't okay with it though. Well, okay. I think what ha- this this is my theory about what happened. Okay, okay obviously because we're so deep inside their heads, and this is just a theory that the impression that I got when I watched it was he went to her and she was aware of it the entire time, the first time it happened, and I thought it was an understanding of if you need to sleep with this woman to do a job, to gain power, to use her, to do whatever you need to do, then that's okay. I felt like that was okay for them to step out on their marriage as long as it had a reason. Um, but the moment that he started developing feelings and then like if she slept with Andrew, that had nothing to do with power. That was about that was about love and romance. So, you know, that's why he wouldn't be okay. So that's kind of where I felt like if you use sex as a weapon, then it's okay. Yeah. But if you make love, then it's not okay. Yeah, and I think... I think that's even why Claire decided to destroy their relationship because she was starting to feel like Frank had actual feelings, mm-hmm. but then she was the one who had actual feelings for Adam and wasn't sharing that with her husband. Uh, but in which what she says to Zoe about they tell each other everything is not true. I mean, he may have told her about trapping the spider and the, the rack focus, but <laughs> he wasn't telling her everything. Certainly. Yeah, by by the end, I was so not on board with their marriage, and I just... It, I was just not on board with Claire in the end. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the main I, thing. I couldn't... You know, I just couldn't help thinking that, you know, Wesley and Andre de Dajan fought for you to have married a man you loved, <laughs> and this is how you're acting. Yeah. <laughs> right. She just threw all that away. 
It's <laughs> quite true. I kept I kept thinking about her other roles as I watched this. Trying and I was I think I was just trying to make sense of her. And there's so many things that don't make sense. The the origami that uh, like she leaves the origami for Adam and it's touching, but it's also why? Why did you do that? Grabbing um, the dude's junk. The that yeah. I could, I almost completely forgot about that. Like I nothing she does makes sense. And maybe maybe in the second season, maybe this is leading to us understanding her better. But she must be um a, an impossible woman to be married to, honestly. <laughs> She's like, a what, little what? cray cray. She's like, honey, honey, I fired everybody at my job for us. And he's like, but that had not. Okay. Don't take money from that guy then. And she's like, oh, I took money from him. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. It's I'm cool. really it's cool. horrible. I thought it out. Right. All right. So, wow. There's so, there's so not enough to talk about in an hour. We're already past an hour. We'll go a little late just because I want to talk about Frank's plan and, and how long it takes to be revealed what he's doing. Uh, Martin, like you, you'd seen the original show, like you knew his plan was to become, well, prime minister, but I guess president. I didn't really know that was his plan from the start. Like I just thought he was House Majority Whip. He wanted to have as much power. He wanted to have control. I didn't know he was specifically moving chess pieces to become VP until, I mean, late in the show, like where he talks to Stamper about accelerating the plan. I was like, wait, wait, wait what, what, what? Accelerate what? Well, we spent half the show yelling at each other. What's his plan? Do you know what his yeah. plan is? I don't know what his plan is. It was bad. Well, they, and they kept having that opening titles. You know, Frank has a plan. <laughs> there are many Franks. <laughs> it's not funny. There's 250 million survivors in the United States. <laughs> I, I really didn't think the uh, panning shot of all the naked Franks was necessary <laughs> in the titles. <laughs> There are many whips. <laughs> oh, God. Those aren't whips. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. Wow. But uh, unlike unlike the Cylons, Frank Frank did have a plan, it turns out, in the end. We don't need a miniseries that still doesn't explain. Well, the plan was there planning. was no plan, but that's that's a separate podcast. So, Tristan, how, how was that working out for you? Like, were you like we were screaming at the screen? What is he doing? Why is he doing that? Um, not to sound pretentious, but I just, from day one, I just figured that was his goal. Um, that like, it wasn't so much like, because I'm smart and I notice all the clues, <laughs> it was just, oh, why wouldn't he? Like, it was, it was, okay, he got snubbed for secretary of state, so he has to readjust his plan. I mean, he's a very influential congressman and he's the majority whip and all he wants is power. Of course, he's going to position himself to get as close to the he kept talking about getting as close to the main power as possible and what's closer right. than vp and um so when I, when all of that happened i just figured i was like okay well, everything he's doing is so that he can put himself in place and and that, make, that Greg, makes a lot of sense um, yeah i was actually so blinded by russo's plot line that i didn't see the rest of the show really <laughs> I just kept yelling about Christina and her true love for him and how blind he was for the first, I think. I've, all the episodes until he dies. That's no. probably why I missed the obvious context clues as to his plan. Is that why Greg had to put on the subtitles for the entire episode? <laughs> yes, I was just crying so hard that I missed all the dialogue. Very possible. What, what were you saying, Martin? Um, if Underwood were a TV writer... 
I think he'd be more like the writers of Battlestar, who are always tweaking things yeah, as they go yeah. along, having a vague idea uh, of the direction and then tweaking it as things happen, rather than what the writers of Lost said they were doing, of having an exact plan the whole time. <laughs> said they were doing. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no, and that makes a lot of sense. Like, he, he knew his end goal. Like, he knew the final scene. Like, um... Oh, no, I'm forgetting her name. Amy Sherman Palladino always said she knew the final scene of Gilmore Girls. She just didn't know how she was going to get there. Um, and that that's kind of, I think, what's going on with Frank. Like, he didn't set out to kill Peter, certainly. Um, but he did set out to destroy Peter. Like, but I don't know, I don't know when that happened. Like, when did he realize picking someone to run for governor? Like, when did that come together? Was Did he know that at the beginning of the show? Or did that develop as he started looking at the different pieces and figure out what would be best? I got the impression he was um, on the lookout for someone in a situation like Peter getting pulled over who he could uh, have unquestionable power over. And once he got that, spun it from there was my take on it. Yeah, that probably sounds about right. This this series demands a rewatch. We're, we're getting into the end here, but I really need to rewatch the show. Try to figure out some of these things for myself. Like, when did pl- Frank's plan come together? When did Russo, you know, when was Russo doomed, basically? Um, and and I, I'd wonder what, Tristan, you thought, watching it again, what you thought of the, the Russo storyline, uh, now that we know what's going on. Um, yeah. I'm definitely glad I managed to avoid spoilers. I was really worried. That with this drop of 13, I thought it was going to be Tumblr was just going to be all the spoilers all the time. Um, I'm and glad it, I, you brought I, that up. I, I managed to not be spoiled. What, what about you guys? I had one major spoiler. Um, oh. I was pretty pissed about it. Mm. It was, uh, I was actually installed an app in Google Chrome that blocks specific keywords from oh, showing nice. up in your Tumblr feed. So I was like, House That's of Cards, crucial. House of Cards, House of Cards. <laughs> like, even if it said House and or Cards, it didn't <laughs> It didn't show up I do that with Doctor. I, I spend a good six months. I, if anyone tweeted Doctor, I think even who, I just did not see the tweet <laughs> whatsoever. I thought it was worth it because I did not want to know. That's awesome. So you, did you miss all the news about that smallpox outbreak? <laughs> They're who was the doctor who who's doctors, going to save yeah. us? Yeah. <laughs> but the the, the so, spoiler that was... I had that actually pissed me off was is like right after I said, "Hey, I'm so happy that they're they're not making Zoe and Frank's relationship sexual." I saw a picture of the spider scene. I was um, about to say, yeah. is there a rack focus GIF? Uh, yes, yes, there is. Oh, of course, there is. That's my and... favorite rack focus in film history. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. And that, rack focus and that's to what a I spider. I was like, "What's he doing?" What is he? Oh. 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 <laughs> I was wrong about you, Frank. I wouldn't have wanted that spoiler because we were, I mean, even in the, up until when they kissed, we were like screaming at the screen. No, don't, don't, stop it. You can, you can, you can still pull back. You cannot yeah. do this. Yes. You don't have to drop your brief briefcase. Don't drop that briefcase. Just, I, yeah. I thought it would have been epic if he, when he goes into her apartment and he just, look, he doesn't say a word. He walks around, looks at her, looks around her apartment. And then just leaves and doesn't oh. say a word. <laughs> you mean like Claire, who walks in, touches all the stuff, and is just like goodbye for no reason. And Claire then like so awkwardly creepy. touches her face and holds her hair. <laughs> yes. Okay, okay. Oh, we we need about half an hour on 
I the wanted almost, <sighs> the almost gay moments. The whole show is an almost gay moment between <laughs> really everyone ever. <laughs> between Claire and Zoe, um, certainly, certainly. I mean, we talked about the Sentinel scene. Like they almost, there was almost fireworks. Drunken, <laughs> drunken middle of the night fireworks. And you, you should have heard like Catherine Katy Perry was singing on. in the background, or what? <laughs> yes, exactly. I had a lot of feelings during that episode. I didn't know, and then it just happened. I had a lot of emotions about Frank and his past loves. There's so much more we can talk about on this. I I want to wrap us up by talking about the second season. Obviously, I mean, the British House of Cards. He becomes prime minister. I I don't think the second season is going to start with Zoe and Lucas and what's her name bringing Frank down. Like. I saw an article that said they'd love it if the second season started with them dying in an apartment fire. Just get rid of them. Don't even care. Uh, I, I don't want that to happen. Um, but I don't think they're going to manage to bring him down as much as that's being shouted as a threat. Like, I almost, and I, I hate this. This is why I said in the rundown, maybe he's an antihero. Because I kind of don't want them to bring him down because I want to see what he's going to do. Which is so bad. It's well, awful. Isn't that the point good. of the show? Oh, God. Is, isn't that the entire reason why we're invested um, emotionally mm. and, and our time-wise into Frank is because he is a, an evil character who has done evil things, but we want to see him succeed because we just want to know what he's going to do next. We want to know how he's going to do it. That's why we love antiheroes. That's true. We That's love true. people who don't murder people in garages. <laughs> It was so I like you. Oh, come on, I, I when I saw they're like, oh, they're focusing on the garage a lot. I wonder what's gonna happen. Well, that's what I said. I said this is why they gave him a garage. This yeah, is why. It, this is why they gave him a garage. I was so so mad. Uh, Martin, what about you? Where? Let me just ask blankly. What do you want to happen in season two? Um, for America to invade Greece. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I can see the parallels. <laughs> which is, which is uh, what ends up happening. Oh yeah, in uh, the uh, final UK series. Oh, that's pretty amazing. Um, we could invade but, Canada, maybe. Yeah. Be easier. It's closer. Hmm. I mean, obviously, there. I mean, the show's been going off in its own direction, which is great. Um, you know, it's been a really good remake because it hasn't just gone hey here's a title that people go oh it's that one let's go watch it it's not something they felt so beholden to that i'm just watching something i've already seen again it's got the stuff i liked but it's doing new things within it's keeping it interesting and i mean could they do something with some sort of a character like uh uh, Raymond, uh, what's his name? The dad from Jericho, from the last two episodes. Oh, oh yeah, from... uh, Major Dad. Major Dad, yes. <laughs> That's how I know him. Could, I yeah, mean, Raymond, I'd, Raymond Tusk, I'd love to see more with him. I mean, could some, you know, giant businessman, I mean, in the, having lots of business and money, not the other sense of giant, could he play a similar role where you've got a political figure, um, and a uh, you know businessman and they're at loggerheads and you can't really you know the president just can't order him to do things his way and the businessman's got power over him could that be an alternative to a monarch? Well, he's he's That's the quite first statement. I I mean, 
to some extent, he's almost, yeah, the king, right? I mean, he's got all this power, all this influence, but no actual political power. Um, he obviously has a lot of control over the current president, but maybe he'd be interested in seeing Frank get into the presidency. But then, obviously, they're not going to agree about everything. Uh, that would be fantastic to see sort of like the forces of money pushing up against the forces of whatever Frank is. Uh, that That could be really cool. Like, he was the first character where you felt like Frank's really met his match. Like, sure, Claire undercut what Frank wanted to do. There are people who were fighting against him. But, like, the the union leader, he went up against Frank and just lost. He just did nothing. He fell apart. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel if Raymond, if Tusk went up against Frank, things could get messy. That would be a really fantastic season, too. I liked when Frank realized he was, uh, you know, yeah. he was the one being tested, not the other way around. And he just ran and said, you're Yoda? <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's fantastic. Well, Tristan, what what about you? You obviously want to see Pete Russo come back from the dead in season two. I, I, yes, I want um, Zoe to find out what happened and read some sort of incantation Buffy style and just raise him <laughs> from the dead. <laughs> That's what I want to see. <laughs> He'll sing a song about how he was in heaven the whole time and how unfair it is to be back. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Like, like about how he touches the fire and it freezes him, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you have to walk through the and fire. Then everyone will just... <laughs> and then everyone will just go, you've been drinking again. We've told you about this. <laughs> well, to, to answer your question, Greg, I would have liked to have seen the first episode of season two as the last episode of season one. I, I felt like the last 15 minutes were very underwhelming of hmm. episode 13, of chapter 13. I felt like with conflict, you need decision and choices. And these characters weren't given these decisions and choices. I mean, I felt like we were presented with potential conflict, but that's all that we were presented with. I wanted actual conflict and then a cliffhanger. I don't feel like we have a cliffhanger right now. I feel like, oh, you know, crap might be going down, possibly if they pursue it or if they find out. But right now, Frank is completely, like, Stamper couldn't get through to Frank. So Frank is completely unaware that these reporters might maybe have something on them, possibly. That, you know, it's like none of them have any hard evidence and Frank doesn't know about it. Frank doesn't know about Claire's potential baby situation that came out of nowhere. Um, you know, it's just there's so many of these storylines where maybe someday we'll have conflict, but it wasn't presented to us in the last 15 minutes of chapter 13. So that's what I would have liked to have seen. I felt like it worked like a novel. Like the first novel is about him ascending to the vice presidency or at least like almost getting there and then book two could be something different it doesn't have to end on a cliffhanger per se it's like the talented mr ripley well there you go okay so yeah i mean i i like the way none of the show really ended on a cliffhanger but what we had was a bunch of threads that could very easily lead into season two but without leaving us in so much suspense it wasn't like I'm trying to think of a of a of a big suspenseful ending, like like showing the hatch at the end of of season one. It's like, oh my god, what's in the hatch? What are we gonna do? It, it didn't end that way, and I and I, I kind of like that. Catherine, what did what did you think about the ending? And then what are you looking forward to in the, in season two? 
actually sort of sort of dug the ending because I I might be a little bit tired of the huge cliffhanger now wait a year for season two and be angry all the time. I like that it sort of resolved, but it left it open for season two. And all I want from season two is for Frank to find out what Claire did and just punch her in the face. <laughs> I just want her off the show because she doesn't make sense. I love Robin Wright. She did an excellent job, but I don't understand. Maybe. <laughs> Sorry. You can't make a show called House of Cards not throw someone off a landmark. <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah. She should get thrown off of something. Well, there, there, there's always there's always season two. I mean, she's in New York so much. There's a lot of tall buildings in New York. Plenty of places for Frank to throw. I mean, we, we really only left Washington to go to the Sentinel. I, I mean, as far as Frank, like he could do a lot of traveling. Uh, that could be really interesting. He, I don't know. He really did what, go to yeah. Georgia as well. Just oh yes, remember that well, time he went to Georgia? Well, he went South Carolina. Oh, let's get our let's get our southern states. The peach. Always, I always thought that was a Georgian thing, but maybe it is. Uh, it's in, in Georgia. I thought it was. That's confused me. Shh. Yeah, I'm thinking that might have just been wrong. Oh well. Okay, so we do know there is a second season coming, so we don't have to talk about everything today. We can talk about the rest of everything um, when we get together for House of Cards season two in about a year. We know they're going to start um, shooting season two this spring. Nice. So. We'll see how that goes. Netflix already said in advance they're not going to release any viewing statistics. I don't know how well it's actually doing versus an HBO show. Like, is it doing better than the network? Is it not? The network? I'm not saying. The newsroom. Um, we just, we we don't know. But they at least are going to be making the second season. Hopefully we'll get an announcement about more. In general, guys, are you happy with House of Cards? Are you recommending it to people? I am definitely recommending it to people. Um, I like House of Cards. Um, I do not like it as much as I did when I watched those first two episodes. Yeah. But I will continue because I love overarching stories. I just can't stop once I get invested. Yeah. What about you, Martin? Well, it's got something for everyone. It's got something for people who like, you know, garage murder suicide <laughs> attempts it's got something for people who like crazy slipper slippers strippers it's very late here and it's got the girl from cabin in the woods what's not not what's not to love nice and and is it on uk netflix or did you have to do some sort of dns finagling um it's on uk netflix um my friend tomahawk i believe told me it's on the norwegian netflix oh. um so I think they've just put it out across the board, which is bloody sensible yeah. in this day and age. And uh, well, on a day when someone refreshing. can come on a podcast and just spoil the ending of Downton Abbey for no reason, six months before the U.S. that was see rude. It. Just for the record, that was a bad move. Oh, who did that? That wasn't me. <laughs> what? We're not going to name names on this show. We're Wait, not going to do that. We're not going to. What part of Downton anyone... Abbey was spoiled for you? The, 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 well, not, the finale. Well, don't do it again. I, I haven't. I don't. Hasn't even aired. It hasn't even aired in the states. What was spoiled like two months ago? I've seen oh, okay. it, so I wasn't angry, but I laughed and laughed at the misfortune. Because <sighs> that's I've the seen deal. It too. Oh, okay. But so you have people who saw the British version in England, then you have Americans who saw the British version through whatever means, and then you have the poor saps in America who have to deal with all sorts of stuff, and it happens the other way around too. 
So it's much better. I, I like just let's just drop it all at once. Let's not be silly. Let's not make people go to torrents. Just let everybody see it. Um, so yes, uh, Catherine, are you are you recommending it to people? I'm definitely recommending it to people. It helps that 98% of the people I know have already seen it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but um, anyone who hasn't seen it, I would definitely recommend it. And I would definitely, I'm definitely looking forward to season two. I want it now in my eyeballs, please. <laughs> Very soon. I, I would even say this show is worth um, subscribing to Netflix for, I mean, at least for one month. But I think after you've seen House of Cards with your first month, there's plenty of other stuff. Star Trek. Um, the random- West Wing. The West Wing is on there. You know, when you're done, as Martin said, yes, just start watching the West Wing. So it's definitely a thing that if, 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 you know, my first question is, do you have Netflix? And if they say yes, I say, okay, you should watch House of Cards. If they say no, I then get into my Netflix spiel and explain to them why they should have Netflix. But I, kind of everyone does at this point. Yeah. I, I, I don't really run across that many people who don't have it. Okay. So A plus across the board, would Netflix again? I'd like to thank everybody for being on this extra long episode of the Observation Lounge with me. I'd just like to ask you where we can find you on the internet, Catherine. You can always find me on the Twitter where I'm mostly talking about Kevin Spacey and how much he's rude. Um, you can <laughs> find you me at Spacey. Charming, charming, absolutely. And you can find me at Hawkeye Poet. Very good. And Tristan. You can find me on Twitter as well at the Insane Robin, and you can also find me on Trek FM at uh, not at. You can find me at Trek FM on the Voyager podcast to the journey. Very good. And Martin, where can we find you? I'm on Twitter as at the Fowdor, where I will go on for 140 characters more about <laughs> BBC TV shows no one watched 20 years ago. Um, you can also check out films and things I've made at martinlejeune.co.uk. Very good. And I can be found at Greg Harbin. That's G-R-E-G-H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N, where I'm hoping soon to start not feeling bad about posting House of Cards spoilers, but I'm, I'm still on the Twitter trying to give people a little bit more time. It's difficult. It's difficult. Oh, I started that today. Oh, did you? Yeah. Well, that's Slate said Thursday. Thursday's the day. You can just let it go. Okay. Um, because it's it's reasonable. Anyway, um, thank you guys so much for being on the show, um, and we'll see you all next week. Meeting adjourned.